Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show Welcome everybody to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have a tremendously special guest again. Can't believe I get to talk to him. The great Larry Sharp. Larry, welcome. I better do something good now with that kind of intro. All right. I better be, I promise I will either be smart or funny, but not both. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll pick it up wherever you don't go. Good. You probably know Larry from running for governor in 2018 in New York. We could have used him. I wish he had won. Uh, also, he has a tremendous YouTube channel, and you can follow that on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, Larry Sharp. And as the Sharp way. <laughs> yes, correct. Both. <laughs> well, let's hop right into the deep end because I know you don't have a ton of time. I'd like to know, basically, my belief is that the economic destruction that's been wrought by the lockdowns over the past 10 months is essentially, it's just gone too far. And I'm not at all certain yep. that political solutions at this junction are enough to save us? What's your perspective on that? Yeah, it's a great question. And we are in trouble. And I'm in New York. So I am in the epicenter. I have the worst governor who has done the worst things. I mean, I hear you and agree. For those of you who care, you can head over to my YouTube page, The Sharp Way. There's a, a 10 videos on a separate playlist called COVID-19 Response March 2020. I came up with the answers on how to deal with the COVID issues last year, March. And none of them had any extra taxes, any forcefulness, nothing. It was all just ways of allowing the culture to adapt to this so that we can survive not just this virus, but the next one. I spent seven years in the Marine Corps, and they taught me that in a contaminated environment, you have to be able to function. So the same thing here. This is a war on COVID or whatever they say is their reason for destroying us. Then at least let's act like it's a war. Let's function and, and fight. So I was against the lockdowns before it was cool. I'm still against the lockdowns. It was a terrible idea. It's not helpful, nothing but bad. Now to your response, how do you respond to it? Sadly, I don't see any other answer except trying to open up as best as we can. Um, I don't know if there's any other answer to that. I wish there was. The damage is very deep. Now we have, we have damage on two levels, one on a micro level, meaning the individual person who's hurt, and two at the macro level, meaning the, the society and economics as a whole. Now, when it comes to economics as a whole, we're still making mistakes. All of these, as a whole, I mean, all of these bailout packages, which I can't stand, I recognize what America is. We're going to bail some people out. That's just who we are. No matter how angry I am, no matter how much I don't like, I can shake my fist at the government all day long. We're going to bail some people out. So then if we're going to do that, then at least let's try to understand how we can do that with the least amount of cronyism and backslapping as possible. I mean, if we're going to go down that route. So either say, okay, this is just the giveaway to, to, to fix the economy. We don't care about anything else. Then just write a bunch of checks to people and end it and stop worrying about who gets what. If that's what you're going to do, fine. We're going to go into more debt. I want to vomit. But if that that's one way, at least. I'd rather not go that route. But at least I can respect that route. Just say, hey, we don't care about debt. I want the economy to explode. 
So I'm gonna write a check for everybody for three thousand bucks. Please go spend it, and let's try to get this thing up and running. <laughs> right? It's terrible, but at least it's respectable. It's open. It's honest. Right. I see where you're going. Or you do the other side, which is instead of worrying about dollars that are in, and instead of having people giving them fish, allow them to go back to fishing. You don't even have to teach people to fish. We already know how to fish. Just let us fish. And what stops most people from fishing? Right now in America, it's not the cash flow, it's debt. Debt is what's crushing us, both at the macro and the micro level. So if you're looking at my individual business, my individual person, you wanna really do a bailout? You're gonna bail me out? Okay, here's my issue. Just tell every financial institution in the United States, you may not demand payment of anything, for of any loans at all, in any way, shape or form for six months. That's it. You may not demand. Now, if you want to pay because you're doing well, keep paying your bills. No worries. But it's voluntary. You don't want to pay, you don't pay. Financial issues, you may not demand the payments, period. You may not demand them. Now, if they can't demand payments, okay, great. Now, I don't have to pay my mortgage for six months or my credit card bill for six months or my insurance for six months. That's six months I don't have to pay. Well, what does that do? Number one, that allows me to do a couple things. So you have to add on top of that the idea that if I want to hire people, I can hire people for six months at half salary. And rents, all rents should be half rents, regardless of anything. You might say, Larry, it's an executive order. You're against executive orders. I am, but we're doing it anyway. Right. We're doing executive orders to shut me out of my business. We're doing executive orders. I can't go send my kids to school. We're doing executive yeah. orders. I can't build my business, right? So if you're gonna do executive orders and smack me around, well then do one that will actually help me instead, if you're gonna do that. So once you do that, all of a sudden, here's what happens. One, the banks now see what's going to happen. But more importantly, you do. And you now have six months to figure out, what am I doing? Am I keeping my business up or not? Am I going to change what I'm doing? Am I going to go to school? Am I going to learn something new? You can then begin to fish. But here's the best part. You're going to bail people out? I got it. Then just bail the banks out. Have the banks, have the banks look at that and say, how much damage are you going to take in these next six months? They have actuaries, it's all bankers do. They have tons of actuaries. You then deal with the the, uh, the government actuaries, come with the money, whatever that is. You write them a check for X and then you make magic money out of the Fed for the other. And you give them the, and you give them the money and you go into more debt. I got it, sucks. But at least now the banks now are gonna get government money. What do banks love more than anything? Guaranteed government money. There is nothing they love more than that. If they're gonna get that, now what else they're open to? They're open to loaning again. So now when you decide, I want to start this business now in the next six months, they'll actually loan you the money for it. They, so you then begin to allow people to fish. That yeah. seems to be a way you can get it going with, with no cronyism, no picking winners and losers, no giving the money to my buddy or your buddy or your state or my state. None of that. The banks always get bailed out any damn way. You bail them out and get Americans fishing again. And we begin to build our economy back up. You begin to, on, on top of that, removing some of the most important piece at the micro level, licensing and regulations at the micro level. You pull those off and you change it because in states like New York, like mine, the, Amer the, the, the population would simply never accept nothing. They just won't accept it. They love government. They want government to control everything. So you simply change your licensing into credentialing, which means instead of you not being able to do it, you just do it without a government stamp, which means now the community decides, do they believe in the government stamp or not? 
if they don't believe in it, don't care about it, they buy your product or service. If they care about it, then you better go get the government stamp because your community cares about it. It allows each community to decide what they care about. And the most important thing I see in areas where I live in New York City is things like hair braiding and hair salons, right? Hair braiding and hair salons, you need a license in New York State for that. It costs about $20,000. And I would ask anybody watching, what does somebody in Albany know about a woman braiding hair in New York City? Nothing. <laughs> Not a thing. Right. So how about instead we let them do these things, right? Do all these things that we want to get people up and running again. We've got to get the Americans fishing again and stop giving them fish. Yeah. And the problem is we've done so much damage already. To your point, I'm not sure how we get out of this. Yeah. Well, I think if you're going to take a Keynesian route to fixing this, I appreciate your outside-the-box way of juicing the economy. It's the it's the least bad option. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Many of my ANCAP listeners will probably have a knee-jerk reaction as to it being unprincipled or something to that effect. Uh, but I think that you need to understand that ultimately the government removed the fishing pole from our hands over the past 10 months. So it is kind of their obligation to repair us. Well, you know, I agree that if you're going to do massive bailouts, I would like it to be one that actually assists the people that have been hurt by this. My concern, though, is that ultimately, even though you said it doesn't pick winners and losers, because it is the banks that hold all of this debt, ultimately, it, in a sense, will be a bailout for the banks. And I'm not sure that that'll be tenable in this political environment. Yes. So I'm not sure that it would be supported by either libertarians or the the populace. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. And I would agree with your listeners. If they're going to tell me it's unprincipled, they're right. But our government is not run by libertarians. Right, right. Right. So they're right. I, I don't want to. They're right. It's unprincipled, but it's not like our government's principled. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. You're like saying, well, that's a dog and he's not meowing. <laughs> well, he's not a cat. So he's not going to meow. He's never he's a dog. Be. There's no transition surgery for that. Yeah, not gonna happen. He's a dog. He's gonna bark. That's just how it works. So uh, I'm saying, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go through that, I'd rather go this route. It is the least bad of the bad sure. ideas. Any good idea is not even gonna be heard. No, no, you're totally right. And this actually ties into my second question. Just so you know, I'm a mortgage broker, uh, San Diego, California, born and raised. I've uh, I've brokered over 100 million in private money loans. So this is kind of my area of expertise uh, in real yep. estate. So my major concern in this environment is that you're probably aware, but I'll speak to my audience once again, the banks have essentially had a moratorium on foreclosures and evictions for the past year, and it's probably gonna last for another year, it looks yep. like. It's gonna be uh, another six months at a minimum from now, and it looks like they're gonna essentially nationalize yep. the, the mortgage market. Ultimately, I believe that if you're ever gonna get back to normal, quote unquote, we're going to have to have a massive wave of foreclosures yep. and evictions to sort of normalize the market or the quasi-capitalist economy yep. that we have right now. When that comes, you could have a cascading default, which obviously with your plan, it would probably circumvent it that. It would. But I'm not sure what they'll ultimately do, but I'm curious what, if they don't take your plan, where does this go? Yeah, and let me be clear. I talked about no bills and half rent and half salary. And so a, a landlord would go, how can I survive on half rent? 
You're not paying your mortgage, man. You're just paying maintenance. You can handle half rent for six months while you decide if you want to throw people out or not. Well, they can decide if they want to be thrown or not. Because you, at this point, if you do my plan, there's no moratorium on evictions because the person can still work at half salary. How can I survive on half salary? You're paying half rent and you don't get to pay credit card bills. You mm. can survive on half salary. Right. And what it means is it, it allows people to stay in place and not be displaced. And what I want to avoid is displacement. Displacement screws us up more than anything. And I want people to choose to pack up and move and leave when they choose to do so. But your point is a very valid one. This is a terrible way of doing things. And there really is no way of stopping a massive amount of foreclosures or massive amount of of evictions. So my guess is Uncle Joe is just going to absorb all the debt. That is what I think the answer is. I think the answer is Uncle Joe absorbs all the debt. So that the, the literally the debt goes from what, 28 trillion, something like that. To like 35 trillion. Yeah. I my gut says because you you can't win elections when half your people being thrown out. They're not gonna vote for you. Mm-hmm. And what these people care about more than anything is not principle. That's you know, that's <laughs> way down on a list of their priorities. That's like right. maybe number nine hundred, maybe. <laughs> the top of the list is staying in power. Yep. That is number one. So they're not gonna be able to keep people in power if they're all getting thrown out. So my gut says it'll do what New York is doing. New York's answer to all the problems is literally more programs, even though we have far less money. So their answer is more programs. And how do we pay pay for that? Federal government writes us a big check. That's literally our plan. Our plan is Uncle Joe bails us out. And I think that Uncle Joe is going to wind up bailing a lot of people out. I think the federal government is going to take massive, massive amounts of debt. And with that, it's going to speed up the collapse of the dollar. And I think eventually we're going to reboot the dollar. We're going to reboot the dollar in one of two ways. Something to remember, most people think the dollar is not backed by anything. That's not 100% accurate. The dollar is actually backed by the U.S. military. You know, Marines like me, you take our dollar or we invade. You take our dollar or we bomb you. So it is backed by something, just not something nice. (laughs) (laughs) So it is backed by something. Um, (laughs) So eventually we kind of have two choices. We're going to reboot the dollar in some ways. We either just say, um, the dollar is now worth this. You don't like it, we'll bomb you. That's option one. Option two, they turn to some form of cryptocurrency mm-hmm. and then make that happen. But eventually, yep. we're going to have to reboot the dollar. And everyone of, of, who's up there knows that's going to happen eventually. So do they want to lose power? No. So they absorb even more debt. And it just speeds up whenever we re- 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 uh, reboot the dollar. That's Got my it. gut. My gut says debt absorption, dollar gets rebooted. You and I see it pretty much identically. I think that the this leads to a natural follow-up question. I'm not certain that the federal government can allow for a direct competitor or decentralized competitor like Bitcoin. So do you envision them criminalizing it? Absolutely, in some way. Of course, there's... They will. Oh, I mean, look at look at just the most recent GameStop um, fiasco, right? Looking just at that, I know that the market is basically just a casino, right? If you know what you're doing, then it's more like poker or blackjack, yeah. right? Because you know what you're doing. There are people who are savvy and know how to play. You have better chance of winning if you're a professional. Oh, that's true. You might if have a 60% know, chance of winning. 
Yeah, there we go. Yes, right. If if you know what you're doing, it's a casino and it, it's blackjack or it's or it's a poker. But if you don't know what you're doing, it's literally slots or roulette, right? right. If you don't know what you're doing, that's what it actually is. You might get lucky. So when I when I understand that that piece of, of what it is, I mean the market is going to completely just. The issue here is when the individuals began to change the market and shift and adjust the market, it became illegal. And it was legal because they weren't part of the status quo. The casino has to remember the house always wins. And as soon as they said, well, maybe the house shouldn't win, we stepped in and said, no, 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 that's not how that works. So now you moving the market, in other words, you and me going online going, hey, we should buy stock ABC, that's illegal. But Kramer can go on CNBC and go, you should buy ABC, totally fine. Why? He's the establishment. That's the reason. So they're going to make the stuff that happened with GameStop illegal. Someone's going to get arrested. Something's going to happen. How do I know that? Why is Ulbrich in jail for you know life? That's the reason. Why is McAfee still in prison? That's the reason, right? When Remember the crimes that people are most punished for are actually heresy, right? If you're against the government, you are therefore a heretic. That is why we punish whistleblowers, right? Whistleblowers are heretics. And when you're a heretic, think about this. When they want to burn the witch at the stake, is there really a trial? Can you really have to have evidence of a heretic? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Can she float, (laughs) right? Exactly. Yes, that's how that works, right? So um, I think to your point, that's what's going to happen. Whoever decides to create the cool Bitcoin, whatever that thing is, if it's Bitcoin or something else. I'm not crypto savvy enough to know if Bitcoin is going to be that or not. There are people who are savvy than I would have different ideas on that. But whatever it is, guaranteed at one point, it will be illegal. Whatever that is. I think everybody needs to prepare accordingly because uh, the good news is, you know, if you're not familiar with it totally, I'll I'll inform you a little bit. Uh, Right now, you can use a mixer and essentially anonymize your Bitcoin holdings. So for those that are out there before it's illegal, uh, I would recommend you do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so based off of everything we just talked about, it's funny because we, in the libertarian circles, we commonly feared kind of a communist takeover because the American ethos is one of uh, really just an anti-communist vibe and we've been very phobic of it. However, it seems to me that the takeover that we're actually experiencing is more aptly described as fascistic or fascism. Uh, We have questionable elections, we have an armed capital, as well as government working in unison with big business to deplatform or essentially deperson dissidents. Is that too much of a black pill to take or am I off base? No, I don't think so at all, right? It's, it's, uh, to to quote Bill Maher, um, it's a slow moving coup, right? I mean, but not what he thought, right? But but his, his saying is true. It is a slow-moving coup. And the, the, the glory of the movement that they have is that most people are on their side. I mean, that's the hard part. Most people, I see, I live in New York City. The amount of people who still think Cuomo is a good governor, I mean, is shocking to anyone who has a concept of what liberty is. Truly. It, they can't even, they're like, how can you like, how can you think he's good? But there are literally millions of New Yorkers who think he's our Lord and Savior. Uh, I mean, he is the man. He's saving us all. They literally believe unreal. that to this day. So I think it has to be that way, right? There is, it is a way that people are growing together and believing in it. The difference between, I, I think, 
what's happening now and what happened in say, I don't know, say Soviet, uh, I'm sorry, communist Russia in 1917 is we are eagerly accepting this, not like they, right? If you go to 1917, you have a, you have, you know, literally hundreds of millions of Russians who have been under the boot of the, the Tsarist Russia for 300 years. And then here comes some guy who says, hey, communism, you know what this is? They go, no. Is it not this? Yes, it's not that. <laughs> that is what, com- it's not that. And uh-huh. odds are, you're going to actually eat. Whoa. So I'll probably eat. Probably. I'm not promising, but probably <laughs> you're going to eat. And it's not that. And they went, wow. Well, in 10 years, uh, you probably won't eat. But. <laughs> yes. Well, sadly for them, they said, that sounds better than what we have. Oh, it wasn't. But they, it sounded that way, so they went there. We don't have that. What we have is, that that, that is the idea of, of promising abundance. What we have here is the idea of, you know, holding on to scarcity. Everyone on both sides, left and right, they all believe that their lifestyle or their world or their values are being destroyed and taken away. Both sides believe that. Yeah. This is a scarcity mindset. That's scarier. Right. Because in the case of the people in Soviet Russia, at least the average everyday Russian could say, come with me, comrade. Let's together fight the evil Tsar. We're together. Let's do that. That At least that could happen in America. No, you are the other. You're the bad guy taking away my 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 whatever I think uh, you're taking away from me. Right. And in reality, the elites, the Tsars and the elites are all winning. Yeah. Right. The elites keep winning. They've been winning forever. One of the biggest reasons that we have such a massive wealth gap isn't because Democrats or Republicans are bad. I mean, they are. But that's not the reason. The reason is before every crash, which is created either directly or indirectly by the Fed, the actual crashes we have, the elites know in advance. Right. So there's actually a thing called burning your books. And what that means, and again, I live in New York City, I deal with these people all the time, right? This is my world, right? So what burning the books means, and you may know this being in finance yourself, you have a a heavy hitter financial advisor, for the sake of argument, he has 100 customers, he sees the crash coming, the top 10 are people of, say, $10 million in assets and above. He tells all of them, he tells his top 10, hey, crash is coming, get liquid, get out of this, get liquid, be ready. How do we know this to be true? We saw it last year with the COVID uh, crisis coming and the senators, mm-hmm. they were party elite. They got told, get out. What are you doing? Then after they all get out, then the guy goes to his other 90 customers and goes, oh yeah, the world's ending, get out. And as the world begins to end, they have to sell their assets. Well, who's liquid? His top 10% are all liquid. So they buy up all the assets. You got it. So boom, that happens. And after every crash, two things happen. One, bigger wealth gap. Two, suicide rate among the middle class and working poor. Those are the two things that happen. The people get hammered, and we are so silly in our world, we worry about the very poor during a crash. We should always worry about the very poor. But during a crash, the very poor are fine. They're already at the bottom. They're already very poor. They're already on public assistance. They're already in shelters. They're already Their systems are already there. They don't actually don't feel it hardly at all. Who feels it? Working poor get devastated and middle class get devastated. That's who gets crushed during a, during a, uh, a crash. Yeah, we add to the ranks of the truly poor during those periods. Correct. 
that's probably been my biggest gripe um, with libertarians of all people. And I can't believe I have to say this, but their willingness to say it's a private business, it can do what it wants, uh, this kind of mentality when we don't operate in even a semblance of a free market. Correct. And yet they will run cover for companies that are deplatforming people or preventing you from getting on an airline, uh, vaccine passports, things of that nature. If you allow the general population who is already fairly ignorant when it comes to economics, I mean, very ignorant if we're being honest, if you allow the left oh, to yes. control the narrative that this is capitalism's fault, yep. then people will believe it. So if you value capitalism, you have to delineate between mm -hmm. crony capitalism yes. and, and the capitalism that we actually support and believe in. And when we have these collapses, as you just aptly described, if you think that the congressmen who sat in on those hearings and dumped all their stocks don't have contacts with Wall Street to front run and burn their books, as you just described, you're out of your mind. I mean, it's just unbelievable naivety. And as a business yes. specialist, because I mean, that, that is what I do, I know it for a fact. It's really heartbreaking that the libertarians, who are really yep. the only people that actually believe in capitalism or free markets, are not on on top of the mountain screaming that this isn't capitalism. That's what I've been saying, which is what I do. Is I'll, I'll give you two parts to that. The first one is using the word capitalism. If you ever notice, you almost never hear me use that word because our mainstream society has made people believe that capitalism is crony capitalism. That's what they believe. Yep. So what you will often hear me say is things like, do you want to break the monopoly? Oh, I do. Let's do that. Right. So I talk about that. That's about, you know, wouldn't you like it to be more consumer driven? They go, yeah, that'd be great. That's capitalism. Right. So I talk about consumer driven. I use different phrases. You'll rarely hear me use the word anarchy. I use voluntary society. So I've accepted they've taken our words. I've accepted it. So I don't try to reform our words. I make new ones. That's so fair. that's what I do, because I think you're totally right. The the way it has come across, it doesn't work. And if you're a millennial now, if you're 30 years old, I mean, think about your your experience of capitalism, crony capitalism. But in your world, capitalism, you came out after the first crash at a high school or college. Nothing was there for you. And now you start to work your way up. And now we've crushed you again. Oh, this, this capitalism doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And then but, people turn around and they're willing to accept MMT or. Yes. Fascism or whatever. Whatever. Absolutely. Yes. So but the other piece. I, I kind of want to bring up is I get why libertarians in theory would say it's a private company. And in theory, they're correct. But there are two parts of this. One, you can say they shouldn't. You don't have to defend them. A private right. company could say, I don't want to do something. And I can go, they have a right to, but it's crappy. You shouldn't do <laughs> it, man. You can, exactly. but it's terrible. Please don't. I can yep. still shoot you. As a libertarian, <laughs> I just can't force you. Really, it's the exact same argument as the, uh, you know, Ron Paulian or the Rothbardian. Uh, I won't speak for you, but uh, many, many oppose the, the civil rights bills because of exactly that. We believe that there doesn't need to be laws to prevent discrimination when it comes to businesses, because if there were a free market, those businesses would be punished for behaving like assholes. I mean, if you 
want to alienate an entire population based off of skin tone or religion yes and and lose money then okay yes so be it um but ultimately the market should be the force that that controls that but that is not to say that we should shut our mouth when we see companies acting immorally exactly well the problem is because how our government works because how our government works we assume that if i want this thing then i will then force it on everyone so everyone assumes that. So if I say, I would like everyone to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and skip, I would like that. <laughs> and by the way, I would love to watch that. So yeah, I would actually great. like that. But that, but now if I'm running for office, the assumption is, oh my God, Larry's going to make a law forcing us to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and skip, right? And we have to, as Americans, understand that I can want something and talk about it and say we should have it. And still be libertarian. Yep. As long as I don't go, you must, here's a law, go to jail if you don't do it. So that's important. But there's a second aspect. The first one's the should part. You can still have an opinion and be libertarian. But the second part of this is half of these big companies are basically government oligarchies. Yes. And that's the other part, right? Well, well, you know, how are you going to bother YouTube? Well, because the biggest search engine in America is Google. The second biggest is YouTube, owned by Google. Same that is literally a monopoly right there, officially oligarchy. So whichever you prefer, you pick your word. And mm-hmm. the government supports it completely. So when you throw someone totally. off of YouTube, you've basically given them, you basically platformed them. So if it were real where there was really a YouTube and three other large competitors, I think libertarians would be right to go, whatevs, what's your problem? But the government is supporting and allowing these monopolies and supporting these monopolies. Well, now it's now it's a monopoly. That's not fair. Right. And it's not as simple as a company deciding they don't want to do business with somebody. When you have, I believe there was 12 companies that banned Donald Trump in a 24-hour period. So, folks, if you think they're making that decision separately or independently, you're naive. It's Whether or not they're working directly or taking orders directly from the government, but ultimately it doesn't matter. I don't know, but it doesn't matter because there are only X amount of platforms that you have to get your voice out there. And if all of them move against you in unison, that's no longer a free market mechanism. So I don't know what the solution is, but do, do you have any? Do you have any ideas of you know free market ways to actually help us in this period? There's a problem that most people don't actually see and why this came to pass more than anything. And and the biggest reasons are two things. One of them is the uh, breakdown uh, of the wall between investment banks and savings and loans, Glass-Steagall, that got removed in 1999. I'm not a big fan of government regulation. It doesn't work. It fails constantly. Right. But that one was okay because of culture. What I mean by that is the average American for hundreds of years, and you know this, you're in the mortgage world never believed that their mortgage would ever go into an investment bank. They thought their mortgage was going to go into their local savings and loans. They thought their life insurance was going to go into a local savings and loans. They thought their, their, their you know, five bucks out of their bank savings account was going to go to a regular savings and loan. They all believed that. And we believed that literally for hundreds of years. When Glass-Steagall happened, as you know, now your mortgages can go into the, into the market. Now your life insurance goes into the market. The average American to this day, 20 years later, still doesn't know that. Yeah. So unless you're going to- think that when you put you know, money in the that's bank- That's correct. That's, yes. That's where it's at. So if you don't educate your population, 
your population can't make informed consent. If your population can't make informed consent, Glass-Steagall should stay. That should not have been removed. I can understand that. Next. Next. The second piece is they decided after Enron, we're going to have all these rules and regulations on companies going public because that'll teach them. You know, whenever you punch, punish the rich people, they always just take it and go, oh, you got me. They always do that. No, never. So what did they do? <laughs> two things. One, they went to Toronto exchange to make a bunch of money. And two, they tripled and quadrupled down on mergers and acquisitions because you can raise money with that and not be and not be stuck with an IPO. Right. And the, and the SEC can't check you out when it comes to that. It's, it's easy. Well, what happened? People started buying up a bunch of small companies to raise money and they realized, wait a minute. Why do I have to have an R&D department when these cool kids in the garage are doing all my R&D for me? I can buy them out for a song because they're poor. I'll just buy them out and I'll get all their R&D. Deal. Yep. So companies started buying all their R&D. When they started buying R&D, they realized, I could just buy all my competitors. And they started buying all their competitors. So as they keep buying all their competitors, and that's what they constantly do, it changes the entire market. It serves the oligarchs and, and the monopolies. If you were starting a company 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, but surely 20 years ago, maybe 20, 30 years ago, your goal was probably to build something big for yourself and to grow and blah, blah. Not anymore. Your goal is to get bought or become a monopoly, right? Or become a monopoly yourself or get bought. That's your goal. We have to change that environment. Yes. Because deeply. now there's no real environment for someone to compete against YouTube. It doesn't exist. The environment doesn't exist. And when foreign companies do it, like Chinese or Russian companies do it, we ban them. So there's no way to actually have an environment to where people can compete against the YouTubes of the world. So you have to change the environment, usually through reduction of, of, um, of regulation. And one of the things I put, to, uh, the idea I put together in uh, New York State was, if you agree by writing to only sell your product or service within New York State, you'd be immune to all federal regulatory bodies. That was an idea I put together in New York State. That's already happening for farmers in Wyoming. I took it to everything. Nice. Right, to everything. Yeah. And what does that do? It allows the local guy or gal to begin to ramp up without being crushed by lawsuits, slap suits from YouTube and blah, 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 which is going to shut them all down to the point where they go, I surrender. Just write me a check and you can have it. Right. And that's what happens as you as you know, I'm sure every month that happens. Someone's like, I surrender, take my money. Take my take my stuff. I'll take a check. Hundred percent. If you break that environment, then there'll be real competition and the YouTubes can't do this. And you need to reduce the protectionism that keeps them in their perch to begin with. Absolutely. Yes, to include things like to copyright protection laws, all those things. I'm not anti, you know, patent and copyright. I'm not. I am mm -hmm. anti the current system. It's horrible. Yep. It is terrible. Do you want to reward a creator for something for a short period of time? Fine. I'm okay with that. You want to say, you know what? You got two years. Good luck. Fine. And then move on. But we're like 77 years after the death of the, what is wrong with you? How can we, <laughs> I mean, that was literally to keep Disney going. Yep. Literally. That's what that was for. That's exactly what it was for. Yes. That was just to make sure that Disney is the monopoly of everything. And this is my point about monopolies. You go, well, Disney can do what they want. They're a private company. They're supported by international law. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You're right. And I think to your point about the system being so sick, I'm not specifically opposed to Glass-Steagall, but if you get rid of it, you have to allow these banks that 
that take that path to go fucking bankrupt. Bingo. Because yes. if they invest poorly and they don't pay a price, you get where we're at now. Correct. Yes. Yes. And then once the bank collapses, then grandma goes, why is my mortgage in an investment bank? And then grandma goes, I don't want one of those mortgages. I want a mortgage that doesn't go. And now the market can respond to what every person wants. And there'll be a mortgage that can only do that or a mortgage that can only do this or blah, blah, blah. They'll do that. Some people I'm sure are happy. Throw it in. I can get a low interest rate. If I roll the dice, I'll roll the dice. Totally, and someone's yeah. going to say, no, 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 no. I'll pay higher interest rate. I want mine to stay here. And now the consumer can make informed consent on where to go. With you, I'm not a fan of Glass-Steagall if the rest of the system would work. But as to your point, it doesn't. No, no you're right. Um, so a, a lot of people are very concerned, obviously, about the discord or the, the state of community in this country amongst all sorts of disparate groups. And I've never felt, you're probably a little bit older than me, but um, have you ever felt a greater sense of disconnect amongst the American people? And is this headed for a hot civil war or can this be cooled off? Uh, great question. And I'm with you. I don't know how old you are. I'm 53. Yeah, I'm 38. So I've got a couple years on you. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, I You've the got Marine an extra Corps. decade so you can tell us a little bit yes. more. I, I've, uh, I joined the Marine Corps in 85. So I'll give you an idea of my age. So yes, the uh, you're 100% correct. This is the worst it's ever been. It's not even close. Um, in my lifetime, I mean, people say the Civil War was as bad. I didn't live then, so I don't know. Sure. But I know in my world, this is the worst ever. And it's not getting any better at all. In fact, with, with the way we now have zero tolerance policies, cancel culture, one strike rules and you're out, this just makes it worse because now people can't even change. Right. If I wanted to change, if I saw, oh, I see the error of my ways, I should be a whatever. If you're not perfect, you get hammered and canceled and punished. Um, far more by the left, but the right too, but far more by the left. It's like at least five to one left to right. Yeah, so it is. one strike rule is really hurting us. So wh that's why I do this, right? My show, The Sharp Way, that I have on every night at 7 p.m. doesn't have libertarians on it. Yeah, I noticed. Right, I do libertarian shows. But this one does the libertarians on it. I have Republicans, Democrats, uh, people who are uh, you know specialists on nuclear power, authors, nice. stuff like that. Because I'm trying to give my libertarian audience a view into the other world. Mm -hmm. That there are a lot of people who don't think like us at all. In fact, most <laughs> no Americans do right. not think like us at all. And the nope. more I make that crossover, the more libertarians go, maybe I shouldn't just yell at them. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should have a conversation with them. I know what I do. I am a recruiter. That's what I do. And what will drive me crazy about libertarians is there are still too many libertarians who are so hardcore that when I bring them recruits, they go, they're not libertarian, beat them up. And I'm like, I'm not bringing you Marines. I'm bringing you raw recruits. You're supposed to make them Marines. Right. So I would like more people to say, Thank you, Larry. We'll take it from here. And to begin the training process, <laughs> right. right? And have the conversations and show them the ways and give them a couple of books because they always want things like books to read and stuff. Well, then give it to them and Frostbar, chat with them about it and bring them along. We could convert the entire country in 10 years if we would do that. We mm -hmm. don't. We yell and scream and go, you're a statist. And But yes, most of the country is full of statists. That's true. <laughs> 
So as I try to bring them, let's make that happen because in my heart, I believe the only answer to answer your question is the libertarian movement. I cannot see another answer. It's the only movement that says, as long as you don't want to force your views on others, you can be liberal, you can be conservative, right? Just don't force your views on others. Let the Amish be the Amish, right? Leave them alone, <laughs> right? And let the people who are hanging out in Brooklyn be the people in Brooklyn. Let the people hanging out in Wyoming be Wyoming. Leave them alone. Let them do what they want. They're living there because they like it and let them like it. They change their minds, they'll move someplace else. Sure. Right. Do that, create that environment, and I think we can change. An example I give all the time is last year, Justin Amash, George, death of George Floyd. The left yells, defund the police. The right yells, uh, back the blue. Nothing changes. Done. But who are the people who did anything to try to make it work? Justin Amash put together a bill that, to end qualified immunity, got both the left and right on board, created the first tripartisan bill. And of course, Democrat Nancy Pelosi, Republican Mitch McConnell wouldn't wouldn't hear the bill. Of course, wouldn't table it. Because they're not interested in actually solving any of this. Not at all. But to add to your uh, your case that the libertarians are the only solution. Also, Rand Paul passed the uh, justice for Breonna Taylor. Yes. So that was actually my critique of the uh, Joe Jorgensen campaign because they were signaling to Black Lives Matter instead of saying, hey, we were the people that had the answers to these issues for the past 30 years. Yes. L literally, I came up with two solutions at the same time uh, as a monster. I came up with a, what I call my quick solution, which was um, uh, end qualified immunity, have cops have their own liability insurances, I. The other C is end, uh, take cannabis off schedule one, and three, end civil asset forfeiture. Right? Quick. Q-I-C-C. -C. Boom. That's Love my it. plan. Now, I thought that the um the the um supreme court would never take it up um i mean i i yeah i thought the supreme court wouldn't take it up so it might have to go through you know uh congress or maybe congress would take it up, so have to go through the supreme court we me and justin were both wrong it didn't go either way supreme court didn't take it up and neither did congress but that wow. was our idea i also came with, with an idea a, a way of reorganizing cops that doesn't defund them and i call it the facts plan f a q s breaking the cops up particularly in cities rural cop, uh, cops are different. There's less of them. They tend to do more things and there are more civic associations knows they're to take care of some of yeah, the issues and they know that their are neighbors. out there. But in cities, it isn't true. So you break it up into four. Family law, active policing, quality of life, and social work. And you allow the cops to move to each one so they don't spend all their time on the front line. I love that. Right? You want them to be able to shift them back and forth. Cops do too much. Mm -hmm. They just do. I know my father was in law enforcement. He was a corrections officer at Rikers Island. That's They do too much. Instead, but not just should I move them around because they do too much, but to give them a break. I was a Marine. You don't keep Marine in combat no longer than 15 months in a combat zone, usually under 12 months. But you never go past 15 months in a combat zone and you pull them out. But we and keep we our cops, cops on the front lines for 20 years. Yes. Why would we do that? <laughs> I mean, it's. It's guaranteed to create some level of PTSD, whether it's clinically evaluated 100%. as such, or then you have guys with quick triggers and guys that view the public as if they're enemy combatants. It's these are all problems that are a product of a system that is just ran and structured incredibly poorly. And I'm so grateful to hear that you had such a great, succinct plan to address some of it. And this was last summer I came up with it. Yeah, man. So to your point about the Jorgensen campaign, 
one of my biggest disappointments was there wasn't any policy. Yeah, exactly. That was my biggest disappointment. And I had it literally on my, they could have just taken it off my YouTube page. <laughs> right. I'm glad you would have gladly let them use it and not worry Happily about patent infringement. It. <laughs> Happily take it. Just take it. Well, I know we're running out of time, so I'd like to get you ahead on this. Um, do you think that uh, Andrew Cuomo, is there any chance that he'll seek criminal charges for his behavior during COVID and lockdowns? Criminal charges, I would say the odds are a million to one. Lottery ticket. No, I, I don't see it at all. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, will he take some damage? Yes, he will. But my Lord and Master, His Majesty Andrew Cuomo II, all hail the king. Um, he <laughs> runs my state with an iron fist. He controls yeah. the courts. He controls most of the legislature. They're, they fear him. Um, the odds of him actually being ousted against slim to none. Will he take damage? Yes. Will that make some Democrat think they can primary him? I think yes. I think that the result of this, in my view, is a serious primary challenge in 2022. That will also fail. Um, but when it does fail, it will at least open him up to, to a third party, maybe have a chance of having real impact. That's my hope. Well, then I have to ask, are you planning to run against him? I am considering it. I, I'm going to make my announcement, yes or no, this summer. Love it. Love it. I'm trying to see how much. The reality of it is, for those who don't know, I've only run one campaign in my life, right? And I am a big fan of if you're going to run a campaign, take it as seriously as you possibly can. So my last campaign, I took off. I didn't work for a year and a half. I did not take a salary for a year and a half. I ran the entire, that's why I did so well relatively. I still got my butt kicked, but compared to libertarians, I raised the most money in libertarians ever raised in my state, half a million dollars. Wow. I got the most number of votes in libertarians ever gotten in my state. And I got us ballot access. And thanks to me traveling across the state again, the next year, I got 103 libertarians elected in New York state. We went from Damn. zero to 103. That is incredible. So, I want to, if I can't do something like that again, why would I run? Sure. I am not a fan of running to run. I think it's a terrible idea. I know the Libertarian Party loves it. It's terrible. We got to stop doing that garbage. Stop running because I'm going to give people a choice. Nobody cares. They don't want a choice. <laughs> they wanted a choice. They wouldn't just be two parties. <laughs> right. Right. They don't want a choice. So no, we have don't. to run to make some type of impact. I think I made impact last time. If I think I can make impact this time, I'll do it again. Great. And most of that's going to be on how much money I can raise. Well, as much impact you made as getting people elected, I have to say, I think you probably made an even bigger impact just getting on Joe Rogan, just simply because you reached the ears and minds of a bunch of you know younger, impressionable people. I mean, oftentimes the older folks can get you know entrenched and stuck in their yes. ways, but these young guys uh, that are more open to ideas, uh, you got to them at, at a very... Vulnerable well, the point. Older crowd liked me on Glenn Beck. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. That's <laughs> yes. Good to hear. Literally, I was when I'm in a diner. Sometimes some guy who was using the sixties goes, "Hey, oh, did I see you on Glenn Beck?" <laughs> yeah, you did. Absolutely. How you doing? <laughs> yes, that happens. That yes. that doesn't really surprise me. Glenn's got some pretty libertarian does, leanings. Yes, and, and Rogan does too, to be honest. Yes. Last thing to get you out of here, and honestly, I have a whole list of items to talk to you about, but I know we're short on time, so I hope we can do this again. But I would like to know, how did you get on Joe Rogan? Policies. This is what I talk about. Libertarians, we run on rhetoric, and that's terrible. Rhetoric only works in a two-party system. When my, when my entire campaign is, I'm not the other, then all in it is rhetoric. And that was literally Joe Biden's campaign last year. I'm not Trump. Well, what about foreign policy? I'm not Trump. What about healthcare? Did I tell you I'm not Trump? 
well, well, what about security? <laughs> I don't know if I told you I'm not Trump. That was literally <laughs> his campaign last year. And it worked. I mean, it worked. He's it the president is. now. So, you know, I guess kudos to him. But that's that that works when you are only left right paradigm. When you are a third party, policies are everything. People say all the time, Larry, do you want to talk about principles or libertarianism or liberty? I say none of that. The average American doesn't care. The average American, we tell ourselves in the liberty movement this lie all the time. It's about freedom. People want freedom. That's not true. People would take a benevolent dictator if it solved their problems. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure people want two options. I think most people want one. <laughs> yes, solve my problem. So what I do is I give libertarian solutions for their problems. So when they get libertarian, they go, oh. So one of them, I had a couple uh, ideas, but one of them was my idea of instead of yelling taxation theft, I said, let me find other ways of raising money besides taxation so that New Yorkers would go, oh, wait a minute. We don't have to have taxation? And I was like, yes, it's not required. So my I still remember when you brought up the uh, the idea. It was such a striking moment. You brought up the idea of putting advertising yes. on the bridges. I thought it was so brilliant. Yes. And I just really want to applaud Thank you. you for that. That's what I talked about, right? I talked about the idea of, of, of leasing out naming rights to bridges in New York City to pay for the MTA and to end the tolls. Right. And he was like, that's brilliant. I'm like, yes, we can still do it. <laughs> no tolls, which helps the average New Yorker. And now New Yorkers just start thinking, so we don't have to just raise taxes. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's not the only way of funding things you like. Ding. There are other ways of doing it. And then I said, how do we fix the actual MTA? And I said, at night, most of you don't know that in New York City, the trains don't run as much at night at all. Mm -hmm. They run, but not as much. So I said, why don't we instead lease out the tracks to Home Depot, Amazon, FedEx, and they can move all their freight into New York City via the train tracks. And they said, well, yeah, but Larry, the train tracks are old and they aren't big enough. I know, they'll fix them for us for free. <laughs> and you know this is doing mortgages, when you get a new property that's a commercial property, very often they'll freeze payments for a certain amount of time yeah, while the people build up the area. Yes, mm -hmm. so we do the same thing. You build out all our new track, and we'll freeze payments for six months. Well, we're not paying for brand new track all of a sudden. And then we lease out the naming rights for the stations. At a Grand Central Station, it's Home Depot Station or sure. it's Amazon Station. And they pay for that too. Now it brings it all, all the pricing comes down. We have better service, more open everything. And man, if we had that right now in New York City, we wouldn't have an MTA crisis. Great point. So yeah. you asked how I got on Rogan. It was having cool policies that people talked about that he liked. Yeah, yeah, I like it. If you remember it, he literally started, he says, you know, Larry, I like this, how we started it. And, he, and he ne I never met him before, never met him. He didn't like me because I'm handsome. I mean, I am handsome, but that's not why he liked me. He <laughs> liked me because he thought my policy ideas were interesting policy ideas. All my policies, they're on LarrySharp.com if anybody cares, I kept them up there. Please, if you're running for office, steal them all, give me no credit, just Please. take them all. So the, the point is all my policies had two things in common. Never an additional tax, never force, always. Never additional tax and never force. It was always optional and never extra taxpayer money ever. Love now, it. a hard hard libertarian goes, that's terrible. Why are we taxing anything? And I'm like, I live in New York State. Take steps. Ranked by Cato, the least free state multiple years in a row. Take that, California. Right? We are the lowest. <laughs> If I can just get that, yeah, no, I, I'll I get take it. it. 
and you got to take some steps. Well, you are one creative propagandist, sir. Uh, you know, you're you're repackaging our ideas in a palatable way to normies, so to speak, and uh, people that aren't already amongst our ranks. So I think that people should take that uh, that lesson and try to apply it in their own. If you'd like to hear more of this, make sure you check out The Sharp Way. It's on 7 o'clock. That is uh, Eastern time, correct? Yep, Eastern. 7 o'clock Eastern, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all the internet things. Perfect. So feel free to Google Larry Sharp if you want. Larry Sharp, Facebook, all the things, Sharp Way. I am social media everywhere. Nice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. World premiere. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical fappening. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty now hear me roar Beat running out, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copter the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot must be Air July Screaming in the mic to rip a 59 Miles Jure showed that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you ride with the thought, you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe Let's get into the show.